Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number triple five. Triple five. It's 555. It'll never be 555 again. It feels like it should be a special number, all fives, or like a jackpot or some large coins should spit out the bottom of whatever device that you're listening to the podcast on. Oh my god, a Nerdist Podcast slot machine. That's never going to happen. But if it did, uh, Matt would give all his money back to it. Because <laughs> he, can't, he can't help himself. Um, at Midnight, this week uh, has a pretty fantastic lineup. Um, if you, Of course, it's on At Midnight on Comedy Central. But uh, this week we have Moshe Kasher, Donnell Rawlings, Jesse Joyce, Rob Riggle, Rob Hubel, uh, Owen Burke, Kurt Brownholder, Jason Biggs, Doug Benson, Steve Agee, and more. So uh, watch At Midnight after Colbert, Monday through Thursday on Comedy Central. Uh, also, if you are if you're open to listening to some new podcasts, we've got a ton of other ones on the Nerdist Podcast Network. You might want to listen to Cashing In with T.J. Miller or Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction or the Nerdist Writers Panel with Ben Blacker. Uh, there are many, many to choose from. So if you just go in and put in uh, Nerdist Network on iTunes, then a bunch will come up. Or go to the Nerdist.com website and uh, look for some stuff there. Um, this episode is... The return of Sp- well, it wasn't Spoon before; it was Divine Fitz before. But uh, Britt Daniel and Alex Fischel of Spoon uh, came in. We went to the Swing House Studios in uh, West Hollywood, and uh, we talked for a bit. And then they played a couple songs, and we bonded some more. And so this is a, a fun story musical episode uh, of the Nerdist Podcast. By the way, Spoon, which is uh, one of my favorite bands, by the way, uh, their new album, They Want My Soul, is out tomorrow, which is Tuesday, August 5th. So pick it up. Here's Nerdist Podcast number triple five with Spoon. Now entering Nerdist.com. Yeah, I never like to warn people because I, I, I don't, um, I don't know, I just like to have a conversation. And it, I, feel, I feel like it feels weird because you, whenever you're doing something, it's probably really focused on whatever the thing you're working on right then is. So it's just like the same five things. And then your brain probably just ices over and yeah, you're yeah. like, this story and this story. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You get this rap. You know? But then it's also hard because you're touring and you're thinking about your shows and you're also trying to get whatever you have to do in the immediate future. And it, do you ever feel like your brain just sort of separates 
We're like, this is the part of my brain that's saying words, and I'm not really checked in on that right now. That sometimes happens, and it's a, it's a creepy place to be. I do not like that. I like to be present. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, that happens. It's happened in shows, too, you know, where it's like, wait, what am I doing up here? <laughs> What's but the show must go on. Where are we? It doesn't happen very often, but um, when it does, it's no fun. I feel like when you're at a live show, if you, your audience will basically... They're cool with whatever as long as you're honest with them. Right. So you can say, I completely lost my train of thought. And they'll go, okay. But the more you try to cover up for it, they're like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's trying to trick me. Right. That's true. How did the Divine Fits tour go, by the way? Uh, we did a lot of different tours. How did they go? I thought it was great. Yeah. The we shows fun. were fun, yeah. Um, they were wild. Yeah. It was, it was a different type of band. I mean... I'd never played with any of these guys before, for one thing, in a band, with, with those guys, the Define Fits guys. And uh, just, for one thing, just, um, you know, Dan is such a charismatic sort of beam of light that uh, can, you know, carry anything, you know, like on stage. So it was kind of f- cool to be able to just, like, sit back and let him run things sometimes, you know. But then did you start to get itchy for, like, yeah, I'm kind of ready to go back and do some more of my own stuff after a while? Wait a second. We've started, haven't we? We did! <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a, t- a thing where we always, I, we always knew we were going to come back to Spoon after Divine Fits was done doing a record and doing a tour. Yeah. We, I just said it, and, and it was, that was in the works the whole time, you know. What number album is this for Spoon? Eight. This number eight? Yeah. That's in, that's in, I mean, did you ever think... We're going to make 8 or 10 or 12 or infinity of these. No, I, sh- I sure didn't. I don't think I was thinking that even like a couple records ago, really. It sounds like a big number. It's a big like number. Who, what kind of bands put out 8 records? Tight bands. <laughs> <laughs> How many records did Zeppelin put out? I don't know. Six, I think. Six? Just six? Wow. No, they didn't put six. Seven. I think they stopped. Is... I, think. I always get lost. Anyway, it's a, it's the around outdoor. there. Yeah. We're, in, we're approaching that territory, at least. But I kind of wonder, when, you're, when you start writing or you start putting stuff together, even if your intention is to, um, oh, this is going to be for another project, does it kind of does it go, oh, but this feels like Spoon? Does it sort of get kicked back there? I haven't really had that issue, but it's usually because like, when it's time to write, it's time to write. You know? Um, you know, I'm busy a lot of the time, and so then at certain points I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to need some songs in about two months. Maybe I should start <laughs> writing some. Do you approach it like, like, are you able to approach it like a job? Like, I'm going to write from 9 to 5, and then I'm going to have dinner and go to bed, or do you just write constantly? I'm kind of working constantly, yeah. It's hard to, to set aside. Not eight hours a day. <laughs> yeah. Some comics some comics are really good at that. Like, they can write like it's a job, but for me, it's, I, if I... If I get an idea at three o'clock in the morning, I have to get up and like I got to make a note of this because yeah, yeah, I'll, ne- I'll never remember. Do you remember stuff in the middle of the night that you go, "I'll remember this," and then you wake up and you go, "What the fuck was that idea?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the time, especially melodies. You're never going to keep keep melodies if they come to you in your in your in your brain. That doesn't happen to me very often, where it's like a melody just pops into my brain without singing it, you know, or trying to write a melody. But when it does, you got to put it down fast because it won't stick with you. <laughs> Every time I convince myself, like, there's no way I'm going to forget this. There's no way. And the next morning, I'm like, How, I, I think I forgot the best joke I ever wrote. Mm-hmm. And it's gone forever, and I have no idea what it was connected Sorry, to. Sorry, Icarus. Yeah, they, no, <laughs> the wax melted. And there's something about looking for it when you know it's lost that it's going to prevent you from ever finding it. Like, yeah. You know? 
your brain's like, no, fuck you. You had your chance, <laughs> and you decided it would be better. How dare you rely well, well, on well, me? Well, well, mister, I can't find a pen. <laughs> <laughs> do you record into your phone? Do you, do you yeah, sing, sing into the phone? Yeah. 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 Do you get to That's write much handy. when you travel? Like, or is it sort of once you get home, then it's in It's usually mode? at home. I mean, I always, I've, I've had gone through phases where I've tried to do it on the road. I know some people can do it, but... I don't know. You're usually so busy trying to figure out where you're going to get a shower and where you're going to eat, and then where? How do you get to the sound check? I mean, it's just like you're in more sort of like hunter gatherer mode. (laughs) Do you feel like your most meaningful, like stuff that is the most meaningful to you? Does it come to you that way, or do you go, "I have a deadline. I just have to get this thing out," and then when it comes out, you go, "Oh wow, that was actually way deeper than I was prepared." Well, you know, I'll be taking notes the whole, you know all the time whether or not it's time to write or not you know so if there's like a, an idea for a song or a, an idea for a, a word you know like lyrics or a melody yeah you can jot that down but the real work doesn't really happen for me till it's yeah it's time to like we're gonna need something here soon that's that that motivates you you know so you like deadlines yeah i think so um yeah, what would we do without a deadline We'd still be working on the record, probably. Probably, yeah. yeah. Well, because if you have all the time in the world, how do you know? Then you, then you get to tweak forever. You yeah, don't exactly. have any sense. There's no sense of urgency to, like, we got to tighten this up. You'll, you judge. You keep judging. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, not a good headspace. It's not a good headspace at all because you don't – are you hard on yourself when you're writing? Are you, or do, or do you, are you pretty much like, this is it and it's fine? Um, well, I, am I hard? Like, well, it's like, do you prejudge stuff? Do you, like, do, you, do, you, do you ever do this thing where you go – you start to write something, you go, nah, that's dumb. Or do you go, you know, I'm going to see where this goes. Usually I try to see it through. And then, and then there's a lot of, um, I think we're, we're all, everybody in the band is pretty good at knowing when something doesn't stand up, you know. So you can put out a lot of ideas and then just go through and find the ones that work, you know. Yeah. And do you, has that process gotten easier with, with this band after eight albums? Uh, no. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> what certain things get easier, but... What's your like ratio of like stuff you put down and get in there and do all the way to finish for recording before you like are like oh this one's not working like and does that just eat away at you? Well, I don't know, but the, the, there there must have been like another forty fifty song ideas that we had for this record that we never even really investigated. Do you go back to that stuff? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I know that there's bound to be two or three gems in that forty or fifty, and I'll probably next time it's time to write songs I'll. First thing I'll do is listen to those. Do you use that as like a starting place for the it next It can record? be. Yeah. Sometimes you have ideas that your brain emotionally isn't ready to deal with yet. Like there's the seed of something and then you're like, I don't know. And then you get a little bit older and then you get have a collection of experiences and you're like, oh, this makes total sense right. now. There's one song on the record that we tried doing for Gimme Fiction, which is a long time ago. Um, and... The song was pretty much done. I'd say 80% done. And we, Jim and I couldn't agree on a kick drum pattern and sort of, you know, like we, I kind of wanted it to be this like, <clears throat> like kind of dance kind of feel mm-hmm. or just at least like that, what do you call it? Four on the floor kind of, yeah. it just like propulses the whole song. Drummers hate that. <laughs> so um, we couldn't see eye to eye on that. And then we, all these other songs came to us and we put it aside and then, you know, whatever, eight years later, we... We're back at it, the same song again. And are you still having the same conversation? No, we didn't. It didn't. It kind of naturally came to, to us without having to get into it. That, like, 
about half the song has that beat, and then half doesn't. So yeah, so it was a compromise. So you made a we, nice compromise. We weren't, we weren't, we didn't discuss it, but it just kind of <laughs> happened that way. I mean, is it? I would imagine at this point, there must be some certain shorthands that you guys have with each other, or do you find yourself? Does it feel like, oh, this is the same conversation we're having? You know, eight, eight records in, we're still having these. Same I know that there's certain things that that I am going to suggest that he'll always hate. Yeah. <laughs> and and vice versa. He always wants to do the ticket to Smith sort of like. Oh right. Like a shuffle. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like something a two like hi hat. Two hands on the hi hat. Yeah, two hands on the hi hat. I don't like that beat so much. What's <laughs> and you and you kept you you keep trying to mash in this kind of four on the floor right, right, drumbeat. Right. Yeah, but maybe that's what you know. Maybe maybe finding that balance between those two things is kind of what makes everything sort of hold in. You know in kind of a nice stasis where it's like, oh, the balance of these two forces actually make this work. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. And the combination of two aesthetics, I think, is almost always going to be better than just one aesthetic. Yeah. Unless you're working with someone who comes completely wrong for you. But, I mean, I've been working with with Jim and and most of these guys for a long, long time, you know, so. Do you ever, uh, do you kind of, do you go off and write on your own and then go, this is what we're, or do you guys... Do you present ideas and then as a group? Uh, a lot of it is me writing alone and then coming up with a demo. And then if I get real lucky, then the demo is just like some hot shit demo that we just kind of completely imitate uh, or, or build on top of. But uh, I'd say most of the time I do a demo and I bring it to the band. And I say, how are we going to do this as a band? And we discuss that quite a bit. There's a new, like on, on this new record, there's one that, that Jim and Eric wrote and I just sing on top of. Like that's a new thing for us. Do you like doing it that way? Yeah, I, I did like it, yeah, because I never would have come up with that kind of song. It's it's uh, it's called Outlier on the record. It's number six, and um, we've yeah we've just never had a song like that before. How would you describe it? Dancy. It's a bit dancy. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had it's a tech a that said it would be huge in Latin, in like Southern America, South America, because <laughs> he lives in not Colombia in Texas. now. Right. Yeah, I'm Southern not, America very different from South not, America. Not, yeah, South America. <laughs> uh, he said that that. We need to we need to push that song because it'll be a, a hit in South South America. Yeah. Do you kind of have? Do you have? Does your playlist change when you go around the world? You go, oh, you know, in this in this part of the world, this these types of songs pop more. But in the, you know, but in America, these type we we kind of we tend to put these out in front more often. Maybe for the warm up music. Yeah. But not for the set, probably. <laughs> not for the actual set. Yeah. Are, are you about, Are you are, are you on tour right now? We just Kinda. been yeah we've been doing shows all through the summer like mostly weekend you know we do go to a festival or go do a run of a couple of shows that kind of thing so but once the, the real tour starts in September right so the, the album's out August fifth is that right yeah is yeah that right it's August fifth right yeah so once that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember if it was fourth or fifth. It's a There's Tuesday. all kinds of things we've been talking about that are happening those days. So once that happens, like once the album, I mean, you're you're basically just in the well. It's done. So now we just have to go around and present it, and that and that's it. Like, or or do you still feel like now the things are still evolving, even though it's technically already oh, of done? The songs, yeah, yeah. I think that they do keep evolving, and then sometimes you, they evolve so much where you're just like bummed that you didn't record it that way. But you just gotta let songs live you know and if you come up with some great part for it or new avenue for it then you just gotta play uh, it that way live album <laughs> yeah i guess that is what <laughs> never before are. heard presentations of your yeah, favorite that's songs true. that's true and i've never liked live albums but that i didn't really see the point of them but maybe that is the point of them you you let the song progress and then you and then you record this different version of it it's funny because i don't really feel like as a as a as a listener 
there's, I don't have a hard and fast rule. Some songs I just want to hear. It's kind of funny to go see a band play a song exactly the way it was recorded. Right. It's almost like you're testing them. Like, I want to see if you could do this the way I heard it. <laughs> and if, you, if they played exactly the way, you're like, yeah, that's the fucking song. But then other times... I like when they change it up. Like, I'm a big fan of that. That's one the way it, sh- it should I be, Because I bought though. the album, so my right. thought process is, all right, let's see what we're going to do with this now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you've already spent this time with it. Let's see what you're playing with with it now. Oh, shit, Britt brought, brought bagpipes. And then just totally <laughs> And then you knew. just slowly back out of the venue. Yeah, and doesn't every audience member <laughs> want to feel that the, 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 the performer is present and there with them and doing something that's unique to that setting and that night? And- yeah. You definitely got that vibe. Like, some bands you just watch, and they're like, oh, they are powering through this. There's, I've been real bummed when you see a band, like, both nights when they're somewhere, and yeah. it's the exact same show. Same banter. Or, yeah, oh, the same that, banter. The that banter broke is the my worst. my heart part. once. Yeah. I heard them pick the same fight with what's obviously an invisible audience member so he could right. look clever. I'm like, no, no. Who was that? Not. That was Social Distortion. It was oh, okay. a real bummer mm-hmm. where he was just like, ah, and made the same joke, and part of me died. I was I like, oh. That's, there's something <laughs> really wrong about that's that. Like having a, that's like having a significant other call a new an ex-significant other call a new uh, boyfriend the same pet name you're like you can't do that Mm-mm. I was special I was special and then you realize like no I wasn't really but you know <laughs> do you uh, do you do you like going to see music anymore or is it is it hard to go be an audience member yeah. no no I love seeing music I wish I got to see more of it. So, what is what? What when you're watching? What's your experience as an audience member? Are you are you watching analytically, or are you watching and just kind of silently like, judging? <laughs> uh, I would have done that. Uh, you uh, know, I just probably the same as you. You know, just go to have a couple of drinks, and you hope that there's something that's going to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. You know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. What is that lightning in a bottle thing? Like, what is that thing that happens? Like, you can, you know, there's so many moving parts. So many things kind of have to fall in line for a show to feel like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. So what do you think – I mean it must – it's hard to plan that. I mean you can, you can game the system as much as possible. If you're super rehearsed, everyone knows the beats, you're, you feel loose, you feel comfortable. But what do you think that sort of um, – that ingredient X is that makes a show like, holy shit – Dank nugs. <laughs> 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 I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, there's no, there, I don't know. There's no answer. It's a lot of things lining up. Like yeah. The audience has to be ready. We have to be ready. Everyone has, it's like meet halfway. I don't know. But when, when it happens, it's great. When you have eight albums to choose from, how do you, how do you decide which ones to go back and and cherry pick? Or does that change, or does that set say? There's just certain ones that you know you can play real well. There's certain ones that that you know that everybody wants to hear, and then after that, maybe you just pick out some just to be weird. You know, that's something some <laughs> you haven't played in three or four or five years. For you, like you have to have them. You have to play some for you. Yeah. Well, for me, I love playing the songs that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just you, you play the songs that you know are going to be good. <laughs> you know? And um, I don't know. I don't know what. I just feel like we, we've never really had a, a, a point where we were playing songs we didn't like. But um. That's got to be such a weird thing for a bit. I just can't stop thinking about the police. It's like, okay, you're getting like a million and a half dollars a night or whatever, whatever it is. You all hate each other. You're sick of these songs. But like, what, how do you... How, 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 why is it so difficult to just come? Just fucking play the songs and just just get along for a couple weeks, and then right. you can go back to your how lives. Hard can it be? Yeah, 
I don't know how. I don't know. I you mean, just like, think it's a million dollars per EO, and well, then just go home. <laughs> <laughs> but but I guess there really is that thing. It's like at a certain point, it's just not worth it. Like how do you infuse how do you infuse the freshness into the relationship that you have with the music and and I guess each other as a group if it isn't quite naturally there at the moment. Yeah, and I th- think part of the, part of the way you do that is by just just how jazzed you get about being in front of an audience. You know, that that is the sort of unknown that's going to make every you know that you know we'll be we will rehearse these songs for weeks and weeks before we went on tour and it kind of got a little like yeah. that's, that it's not inspiring but you <laughs> well, get up on stage in front of some people and you can be inspired immediately yeah it was crazy because we had we had rehearsed for like two weeks and then we played a show like after taking like a three-day break four days something like that right yeah and then we played our first show and everyone was playing different yeah, I was, like, every, I was like, what the fuck? You actually do play. <laughs> yeah, it was like, this sounds nothing like it did in rehearsal. This is fucking awesome. Wow. Yeah. Not the rehearsal sounded shitty, but. Maybe it sounded shitty. <laughs> Maybe at times it may have sounded shitty. But you kind of, it's almost like you kind of need to, you kind of need to do all the mechanical parts and then step away. And then it just kind of like gets into your nervous system. And then you're just not, I think, I would imagine like once you can take your take the thinking out of it and get your brain out of the way, like once it's in your fingers, that's, right. that's yeah, probably Yeah, that's what the rehearsal's for, right? Yeah, you get it so that you have some motor memory. Yeah, and then you go and try to find some magic in front of people. You know, and then uh, all out of nowhere, you throw a bitch and Marty McFly guitar solo just in the middle, and just see how everyone deals with that. Right? Because <laughs> uh, I saw a, um, a friend of mine. I went to see Buck Owens play like maybe eight or ten years ago, and he was at the, I think it was the House of Blues. And my f- and this friend of mine was a, knew a guy in his band. <laughs> And the guy said, and and his band were like world class musicians. And they said, and this guy goes, uh, "Yeah, we never know like what key or tempo Buck's gonna play. He just starts, and then we have to follow him. We have to keep up with him." So basically, it just sounded like every night is a steeplechase. From they have no idea what he's gonna play or how he's gonna do it. I think that's how Chuck Berry does it too. You know, but he's working with bands. His setup's crazy because you have to supply him with a band. Yeah, yeah. Like that's playing with people. Full back line, and then they just know the set list ahead of time. Right. Not sure what key it's gonna be in, Mm -hmm. or the tempo, or when which song is gonna start when. But I've seen him play a lot of shows, and they are loose. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The first time I saw him, he actually recited poetry. In the middle of the set, he was on. <laughs> he recited poetry and he, like his own poems, and he also did a duck walk. And then I've seen him more recently, where he's just, yeah, just not wasn't his night. Like I think he was really drunk the last time I saw him. He had to have been. He's also pretty up there. He is up there, but the, but I just the first time I saw him was not too long ago, and it was I just think that he has on and off nights, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's also. At a certain point, you're just sort of like, uh, I'm me. You can either like this or you don't. Like, it's not, I don't think he's really, he may not be doing it for the passion anymore. Right. It's just sort of like, ah, you know, it's I got it. imagine like, the, like all the songs you're playing were written 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Like that's an insane thought process. Walk on stage, all right, here's a bunch of stuff from ha- more than halfway through my life. Yeah. I mean, he literally could be asleep and his mouth is just still spitting out all the, everything. But yeah, I think that's why it's fun for him though. The same thing, like you're playing it in front of this this unknown an audience and you don't know exactly what's going to happen while you're here in, in front of them on the stage and that's what makes it you know interesting for him and that's why he probably plays a um, one show in his hometown in, of St. Louis a month you know he has this regular show that he just does no matter what 
you ever think about mixing it up so that people would leave a show and say, like, did you see the pyrotechnics at the Spoon concert? <laughs> have you ever thought about have you ever, have you ever thought about doing anything like theatric, like any lasers. like stage theatrics or anything weird? Not really. Uh, I have. You have. <laughs> but tell us, tell well, us what it's going to be like. Here. We should talk about Break this. Break down the stage. What do you got? Give us the vision. We just got. We just beneath the stage, and Jim comes out first. He <laughs> just starts rent I pay. That is a big. That is a good look when someone can come up from yeah. underneath the stage. And so I've seen Prince he, do that a couple times. He comes up. He's already playing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He starts and playing underneath the stage. Just lights on him, right? All right. And then you come up. You're playing your like your guitar. Yeah. And then you know, once it hits, everyone just kind of like somehow poofs on stage with your when your vocals come in right. somehow. An effect of poofing on stage. Does, does he fly in over the audience and land, and then everyone poofs on, or does he just... No, he's coming out from under the from stage From under the also. stage, too. Okay. Me? You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh, Jim yeah. comes, then like you that. come, and your, your thing's kind of twirling as you're coming up. Uh-huh. And you're playing the guitar. Now, hold on. Let me write this down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard twirling. Uh-huh. Your, your cylinder is spinning while you're coming up. Okay. And then so, like... Then once the song hits, everybody else kind of, kind of poofs there with like tons of flames. <laughs> it's all about poofing. Yeah, that's, yeah that's there's like, a lot of right. poofing and flames. Yeah, I'm, I love that you've thought very d- detailed. About I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it would be awesome. One time. Do you go Kiss-style <laughs> gimmicks as the show goes along or like a queen disappear-reappear? I could do a – I think a disappear-reappear would be kind of cool. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of fun because no one would fucking expect that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think you do two nights in places and you do one normal stripped down indie rock band and then one crazy stadium rock show with no self-awareness that there's two different shows just playing both real straight. I think you start with the stadium rock show and so everyone's like, you, you're not going to fucking believe what they... And then you just act like it, that didn't happen right. the next night. <laughs> what are you guys hoping for? <laughs> little Michigan J Frog situation. Like, no man, this food is crazy, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, would you play something? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. That would be great. I think it'd be fun to, since we're in this music studio and there's instruments over there. All right. I think it might be kind of fun to play a couple songs and then. Bye, Ben. It's only 
I hope, yeah, yes, we tricked you into giving us a private concert. I hope that's okay with you. <laughs> that's the first, the first I time. I enjoyed that. <laughs> so, uh, what was the name of that song? Inside Out. What's it about? Yeah, I don't know. Can, can you tell us what that one's about? I don't know what that one's about. Really? Well, it's about holy rollers. It's about true love no, you don't have time for them <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's about you know real feelings versus uh the feelings you were taught to grow up with you know okay that's an interesting point i mean this, this might be personal so you can tell me to fuck off <laughs> uh, i feel like we're probably around the same age so how do you feel now versus you know 10 15 20 years ago like do you feel do you feel more comfortable with yourself or do you feel more comfortable? Do you kind of feel like I'm a grown up now or I feel like I have wisdom or do you feel comfortable? Do you still feel, do you still feel like, ah, there's something missing still. And I, there's a hole I got to fill. Like, I don't know. How, how do you feel in your skin now? Well, I feel comfortable and I feel wiser. Um, there's still a lot of things that, you know, but I feel, still feel driven to try to do things and to try to get better. Yeah. I think people do get wiser as they get older. Because, you know, if you had, when I was 25, if you had said, hey, w- look at this guy who's, uh, you know, 42, you'd be like, what an old, who the fuck, get that guy. But then you start getting up the, to that age and you're like, I'm not, I feel like me. I'm not, you know. So do you still feel the same way when you're 60, 70, 80 years old? This is something be- I've been talking about a lot lately because when I was, you know, 16, 17, I, I, I you know, pictured myself dying or offing myself by the time I got to be 30 you know I just I didn't where I grew up I didn't know of any 30 year olds who were like living interesting lives you right know? it was everybody seemed kind of dead yeah and um eventually you know that was sort of a short-sighted way <laughs> you know eventually I like got older and I saw that oh yeah there are people who are still like present and like involved with uh, the real world and you know like interesting things are still happening to them but it's like there's still that part of me that's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, this isn't supposed to happen. Right. Remember me? Like, this is, you know, I still recognize that guy's still in there somewhere. But you're, 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 you're I remember, 16. Yeah, you're like, you're, yeah, you're, you're still, you're, you still are that like 25. I just got my permit. Oh my God, that's so great. Yeah, we'll go my, do donuts in the parking lot. Me. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I feel like it's a good thing. I mean, I don't feel like I was that reflective when I was younger. Um, and I feel like it's a good thing. I feel like there's a, st- a strive for, I don't know, depth or something more interesting or something more personal. Do you feel like the stuff that's coming out of you now is more personal? When you look back on the older stuff, you're like, oh, that was all superficial. Oh, music? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like, yeah, it was totally the stuff when I first started. When I first started out, I didn't think there was anything cooler than, you know, Wire and Gang of Four. And You were right. Yeah, those, those <laughs> bands, they're very cool. But there's not a lot of personal insights going on there. True. Um, and I still love them, but you know, it's at some point 
I think around the time that sort of like my life started falling apart, maybe, uh, I, I discovered that, you know, like this thing of writing songs where you kind of express vulnerabilities and like what's really going on with you, this can be powerful and handy, you know, and, and fun. It seems like there's a migration from writing from a standpoint of, Oh, writing is this thing I go do as opposed to, I, you know, I was just having a conversation with someone today about, the, about and I tried to simplify it as like, you know, there are, there are action verbs and there are being verbs. And when you're younger, I feel like you employ a lot of action verbs. You're like, oh, I have to go do this thing because you don't know who you are yet and you're not comfortable being, mm-hmm. you know. So the stuff that comes out of you that's more personal that you, when you're younger, you're like, oh, that's, that's, that, you know, that's dumb. That's just a thing I felt or went through. And it's like, no, 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 no. But that's actually what's really interesting, not some external thing that you have to go in search of. Right. So it, it, are, are you, you really feel like now, like that's, that it, it, does it feel more seamless in that way now than it used to? As far as songwriting goes? Or just life? Just, well, <laughs> let's start with songwriting and then, and then uh, go to life. Oh, boy. Um... <laughs> I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's easier, um, and I definitely, you know, I got more. You know, like I say, like around the time that my life started falling apart, I got a lot more accustomed, uh, familiar with those sort of unpleasant feelings, and and realized that like, you know, some of my favorite records are, are ones like Plastic Ono Band, where people are talking, you know, where John Lennon is talking about pain, you mm-hmm. know, um, that's been real helpful, you know. That's I th- I think that the records did get a lot better around that time. Do you feel like it's necessary? Do you think do you feel like it's necessary to have No, you I, can make a party record and that, that can be life changing <laughs> too, you know? Yeah. Both you don't have to, but uh personally for me I, I, I enjoy it more now, you know. I, I agree too. I think the party records are fun but party uh, this is gonna be a generality, but party records are fun but the records that stick with me through you know, oh I love this record but then I stop listening to it. The records that I still listen to are the ones that are more emotional, I guess. The ones mm. that I can connect with in that way. You know, there's already songs that's like, oh, this is a good, good song. I'm having a party. I'll put that on. But then there's the records that I find myself wanting to go listen to. The by yourself records. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I, I sort of feel fortunate. I don't, know if you've, I don't know if you guys feel this way. But I sort of feel fortunate that we have a way to deal with shit that a lot of people don't. That when, when horrible things happen, you feel bad for a little while, but then you start spitting it out in some way. You know, for mm-hmm. me, it's joke writing or doing this or, or whatever, and you know, for, and you do what you do, and and then, but you don't. But a lot of people don't actually have that, and so they just. I I just kind of wonder, like, how do most people get their shit out if they don't have like a some sort of metaphorical canvas to be like, blah. Yeah, a lot then, of them don't, right? Gun range. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's where they get it out. Yeah, or or it turns into like getting in fights on the weekends or something or wh- whatever. You get a lot of tension and energy, and you got to do something with it. Have you ever written something when you were writing it? You were like, "This is the most moving spiritual song I've ever written." And then afterwards, you hear it and you go, "Oh my god! Oh Jesus Christ! What was like? Because it, it was just like too on the nose. Yeah, too literal or something. Yeah, yeah." Yeah, it's happened. <laughs> um, yeah, there was one on this this last record that we never really got. That song, Satellite, I thought was like, for some reason it, it had this emotional depth to me that I, I was really feeling at one time. And then we just never could finish it, you know? What happened I like that, that one. one. Yeah. 
So it's not M- on maybe there? on the next record. Yeah. So it's just on. It's just out there. We have like a quarter of it recorded. Yeah. So it's literally a satellite, just yeah, floating exactly. out there, yeah. waiting to be turned on exactly. again at some point in orbit. <laughs> um, how long are uh, how long is your tour go once you guys go back out? Does it never end? Hopefully yeah. a long time. Yeah, you know, we, we go out for, like, the first one, the first real one starts right before the beginning of September. It'll be, like, three, four weeks. Then you're home for a week. Then you go out again, maybe in another country for a couple weeks. It's, it's always kind of, like, stopping and going. But, like, in all, I don't know, usually it's, like, a year or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. How but much? it's fun. That, that part, well, it is fun, but do you ever just think, like... You know, I just want to sit on a. I just want to sit on my porch and stare at the ground for a nah, while. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't want to be, I don't want to be alone with my thoughts. Uh, no, there's times when it does feel like okay, I could use a break now. But but for the most part, I f- I find that like touring is there's something actually calming about it because of the, what we were talking about earlier. That's just about getting a shower. It's just about finding where you're going to get food. Right. You have this this. Uh, you know, itinerary. itinerary. Yeah, yeah, you have your daily schedule. You know what you got to do, where in, where you got to be, when. It's in that sense, it's 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 calming, or it's uh, it's not so trying on your brain, right? Right. It's it's more trying on your body, probably. But um, and then you get to go play a show. Yeah, yeah. it's it's distracting. And every night you've got that thing. It's yeah. just like it's just a blast. I um I had a vacation recently. And I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> mm. I never. I don't yeah, really a, ever get time off. Uh-huh. It's like, where'd you go? I didn't go anywhere. I mean, just, what do I do with Tuesday? Like, I know I don't ever have those questions. Right. And it it really it scared the shit out of me. Be right. honest, you hosted at midnight. In your I did house. not host at midnight in my house. Just stuffed animals. Points. I literally <laughs> like. I, I mean, this sounds so sad. There were point. There were points of the day where I was just. And I just moved into a house, and I don't really have any furniture. I was just like walking around this empty house in circles, like, "What am I supposed to do?" Mm-hmm. Like, it was, I, almost, I, I must have looked like a fucking zoo animal. Right. And I was like, "I should be out in the wild, but here I am, and I don't know how grow to wild out your away beard the hours. and pee in jars." That's what I should. What do. are those zoo animals thinking that are pacing back and forth? Oh, what a life! This <laughs> is so great. I think they think that, that, that I think they think they're visiting the zoo and they're seeing all of the. the we are the displays to them. <laughs> I hate seeing that though. They just look. There's something going on in their in their heads. I pray that their short-term mem- and I know that this is not the case for a lot of the higher mammals, but I, I, but I really hope for them is that they're essentially like goldfish, and so that they just don't know that they're going in the same circle, and every every second is fresh to them, so they don't. But I know that that's not. I know I that imagine that's they're not constantly true. plotting revenge. <laughs> you think that's what's happening? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I could. That's kind of what it looks like. Most definitely. <laughs> oh, I'm just walking in this circle. You're all gonna pay one day. They're <laughs> concentrating as hard as they can to try to evolve opposable thumbs <laughs> or the ability to build complex machinery, so that. <laughs> Grabbing all those phones that have fallen in and learning the internet. Yeah. Uh, what's the strangest and most esoteric thing that you've ever written about? Because <laughs> I feel like there's a song in here somewhere about being the animal in a cage that is trying to while away the hours. Oh, I don't know. Most esoteric song I've ever written? Shit, man. <laughs> I don't know. Well, just think about this thing, you know, for the next record. Yeah, all right. If you want, you know. If the you record just, if the you... satellite's on. We'll also have a record about the animals that rise up and kill. Maybe yeah, that's how Alex, that song ends. Alex, do we have any weird songs? Lyrically weird songs? I don't know. It's yeah, nothing's weird. coming to me. Yeah. Nothing, it's not filed that way in yeah. my brain. Do you right? feel like if Dan Brian, was here, he would know. Do you yeah, feel like yeah. Brian Wilson was the least ironic person in music or the most ironic person in music? 
when I just hear about like singing about his favorite vegetables, I go, that's either the least ironic song or the most ironic song mm-hmm. I've ever heard in my entire life. And I can't decide which one it is. I think it's least. <laughs> or like Free Design. Have you ever listened to the Free Design? What's that? The Free Design? Oh. No. Dude. Um, you're missing out. Free Design was like a late 60s kind of like, I think it was like a sibling jazz trio. Yeah. And they did these really insane complex harmonies. Mm-hmm. But their songs were about the most literal. They have a song about kites. Uh-huh. It's just called Kites, kites Are, are fun. fun. And it's just about how kites are fun. And there's the, the no, thesis is in the title. That's it. Wow. But it, but the song is so beautifully. Now I gotta see. If now I, is it good music though? Do yeah. you enjoy listening? Well, to it? I, you know, I weirdly do. But it does sound like super sixty. I mean, it's it sounds like super 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 kitschy sixties. Um, let me see if I can pull. I know I have kites are fun on here. Here we go. Kites are fun. Let me see if. If you guys want to cover this, like no one's going to blame you. Kind of sounds like the end of the. <laughs> They're just flying kites. <laughs> and you two both knew about this. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't know about this. No. Huh. How did I miss out? Okay, here, here it's about to kick into high gear. I mean, as high gear the free design goes. <laughs> What do they say? Kites, Kites are, fun. are fun. Oh yeah, Kites yeah. are fun. Yeah. So is that a joke or not? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. They cut the real tail end of that '60s. Like we can just be festive, and there's no irony in this. <laughs> right. Festive. <laughs> yeah. It's a great way to put that. They bought sweaters. Going. I have no ulterior motive with this sweater. Right. Let's make all these sweaters match. <laughs> It's basically like an awkward family photo in music And form. it's crazy because when you listen to some of their stuff, like the vocal harmonies are so complex that it's almost even more jarring that it's so squeaky cute because it's so complicated what they're right. doing on stuff. Huh. They put a lot into those yeah. vocal harmonies. <laughs> it's almost like they were like, let's make all these harmonies as complex as possible. I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't write anything about well, what, what. I'm holding a kite. Great. That's fine. Let's fucking go with that. <laughs> we have a song on our on our new record that kind of has a flute sound like that. Yeah, it does. Really? Yeah. yeah. Flute what? gets weirdly intoxicating, doesn't it? It's a reverby flute like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I can go with a reverby fruit, flute. <laughs> and it wasn't ironic when we did it. It was not ironic. Yeah, I was feeling it. I, I still was, feel I it. Was, I feel it too. I mean, I listen to fucking Aqualung loudly. <laughs> like, Jethro Tull rocked the shit out of the flute. They, they, they did rock the shit out of the flute. But no one has really since. Once you got Tull. I mean, there's no... No one's going to, like, we're going to beat Tull. It's time, though. It's been decades. That lasts. There's, there's an OC song I like that has a flute oh, on yeah. it. Oh, yeah. It's things called Meat Step Lively. I think it's a flute. It sounds like a flute. Help. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, it's Yeah, it's, it's, that's a wicked sound. And it's just like reverie flute in the background. Yeah, it's yeah. like, fuck. I think it's hard because there's no way to make a cool face. While playing flute, there have been some great one-offs of flute, but no toll. There's yeah. been a, no nobody can replace toll. Uh, how many songs were you guys uh, willing to play during the podcast? We got an, oh yeah, we got one more planned for you. You have one more planned? <laughs> yes. Do you want to save it to the end, or do you want to do it like, oh, what? Wanna, like whatever? I can do it like, now. You want to do it now? Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Is that what you were not about to? I say? don't. This is, this is, <laughs> you're, you can drive this boat. I don't All care. Right. You want to play it now? Play it now. 
They're walking over to the instruments again. Every time they walk over and start playing, I just want to turn to you and go, Happy anniversary, babe. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to non member supported Nerdist Podcast. <laughs> Will you call me your baby when you hold in my hand? But the way that you hurt me, I just don't understand. Will you say that you need me like the ocean needs sand? Fantastic. Thanks. That was Spoon playing. I just I always want to do like the NPR thing. Because I feel like when we're, when you're like when there's a live performance here, it just feels like it should be it should be really delicate and reverent. Yeah. But also like bassy and leaning into the microphone. There's a certain it is a very certain Lots of bad sound. <laughs> There's so much mouth noise. I was listening to KCRW the other day, and I like got to the point where I was so hyper focused on that sound <laughs> that I started having like a f- fucking freak out. <laughs> like, this, it will get, make you. Someone crazy. get this woman a drink of water <laughs> yeah. or Come get on. shittier mics, please. <laughs> Turn the condenser off. Yeah, I, I ended up turning it off. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What are your, what are some rules? Do you think they? Obviously, because you're at all your shows, what, how, how would you like the audience to comport itself? Because I feel like sometimes audiences come to a show and they feel like, hey, I've paid money. You better fucking entertain me. And you kind of go, all right, you just have a small job and your job is to just 
be open to being invested Fucking in the show. Watch the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, it, do, are, are there things that you would say to an audience? Sort of, if you're gonna come to a spoon show, uh, try to keep this in mind to make the show as pleasurable for everyone. Well, you know, every every performer wants the audience to 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 get some something back from them. You know, it's more fun when you do to, when you can feel like, oh, we're both here, we're both present. Something's right. happening here. Um, so you know, volume helps. Um, <laughs> Clapping, moving around. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, stand with your back to the to the audience right at the front of the stage. That happens sometimes. Don't text. Don't don't make Facebook. Yeah, posts, yeah, right? yeah. But um, yeah, it is a thing. You know, like they're they're judging us, but we're we're judging them too. I want to know what the, <laughs> you should say that during the show. Yeah. You think you're judging us? We're also judging you. We're the abyss looking back, friends. Yeah. <laughs> abyss to abyss. <laughs> I feel I, I want to feel like I want to try to figure out what the actual number is. Like some audiences, are, very rarely, but occasionally, you will get an audience that just isn't great as a group. Together, <laughs> yes, exactly. they right. just shouldn't hang out together. Right. <laughs> but I feel like remember at a Divine Fit show, someone got bit. <laughs> what? Do you remember that guy got bit? No, I don't remember that. This girl bit a dude at this in Hawaii. Oh yeah. Just yeah. like in a fight, or she like got mad that he was like he like moved in front of her or something. I don't know. Oh, it was a str- then they weren't they, they weren't were not, there together. They were not there together. And she bit him. him. She got kicked out. Oh yeah. yeah. And now they're happily <laughs> How married. I missed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. was... <laughs> <laughs> there is a happy ending. To I this bit story. him at a show, and then we got together. It was. But I feel like there's a number of people that can tip an audience, and I don't know what that number is, and I would really love to figure it out. But because an audience really does take on, they really do become this unified throbbing mass but at some point there are there are micro leaders in each section and i can't figure out there's a size to energy ratio too where you want that sweet spot where like the bigger it is more it's got to push up and sometimes you're in that not for the huge venues but like the medium-sized ones like you guys have done the fonda Mm-hmm. Fonda, I think, is the perfect tricky venue because I've definitely been to shows there where it's ecstatic, and then other times where it was a little too big for what was happening there. Hmm. Also, a little known secret: it sounds horrible on that stage. Yeah, it really does. Always. I can imagine. It sounds bad. Always. What, what is it? Is it? Is it just because of the way the the the? I think it's the stage is hollow. Yeah, it's oh, like God. not it's just some unfortunate combination yeah. of of uh, effects there. It's just it does yeah. not sound good. I don't know. I, uh, and those are things that you can't really say when you're on stage. Like, guys, it doesn't sound weird up here. <laughs> they not, the, they, yeah, they want they want to see you do a good show, right. and that is your duty, you know, right? At all costs. Do you do, do you find yourself if you have a? Sometimes you'll get like a section of an audience is really great, but then like the <laughs> other side, they're just not having it for some reason. And do you do you tend to play to the the section that's in that's doing better, or do you play to the section that's not to try to like pull them in? I think about Jim Eno, our drummer. He always focuses on the, the, the ones that love us, right? Uh-huh. And my inclination has always been to go out and try to get the attention of the ones that, that don't, right? Um, but sometimes you just can't. I mean, I, it's easier to focus on the ones that are right there. And, Thank and, you, and, Mezzanine! Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I've learned is that the narrative that's in your head about people or, or, or what they're thinking or enjoying is not always the case that sometimes you learn like some 
people just enjoy things with less energy. Yeah. And then afterwards, they, like some guy in the audience that you thought was hating the show, come on, go, hey man, that was really great. And it's like, why didn't you fucking do anything during the <laughs> You know, but they just don't. Right. They, they, they just express themselves differently than you express themselves. And you go, oh yeah, I was just, I was putting me onto that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, it's funny, like the people that lose their minds at, at shows, they're not necessarily the kind of people that we would necess- sometimes, you know, like they're weirdos, you know? <laughs> like I don't go to, I don't, I don't go to shows and um, whatever, uh, do hippie dances or whatever. But but sometimes when you see someone doing this obnoxious dance, it's like, oh, okay, somebody's feeling it, you know? Yeah. It feels good. But that's not me. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably a little more reserved. I'm probably yeah. standing closer to the back. Yeah. Except when I saw Queens of the Stone Age recently. You stood in the front? Yeah, I stood in like, the very, very yeah. front. It's, it's too good. But yeah, that's a good point. Even the people that, that are loving it obsessively may not be giving you what you want right they just are a little more chill (laughs) and then you have to sort of i i think a lot of it has to do with releasing expectations and not trying to control not trying to 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 micromanage or control the situation too much i think you go crazy if you're trying to control everything Mm. Hopefully you get to a certain point where you go like, well, you know, this is this is how we do it, mm-hmm. and uh, this is what they do, and uh, hopefully it works, and you know, yeah, you hope it works out. You <laughs> no, hope th- that the that the chemistry is there. I think you go Pink Floyd the wall and send armed, uniformed goons into the crowd mm-hmm. until yeah. they give you what you want. Yeah, that's a good idea. That seems like a really important <laughs> line item to have in your touring budget. <laughs> goons, uniformed, just goons. a truck full of equipped and uniformed goons. Are you good at performing if you're uh, in a bad mood, or if you like, is, is performing an escape for you, or does it stick in the back of your head when you're on stage? If you're if if something shitty has happened, or if you got in an argument with someone, or if you're bummed, or can you put it off, or does it stick with you? Yeah, usually I can put it off. I mean, usually you you hope that that kind of thing doesn't happen two minutes before you go on stage. Right. But if something's happened that day. There's this whole process of getting ready for a show. Some of it involves eating, right? And some of it involves, you know, at a certain time. And, and like, uh, just getting your headspace so that by the time it, you're about to walk on stage, you're there. And, and I think you can get... I personally can push that out. Yeah. Because I do enjoy the shows. I love doing shows. And they're no fun when you're not there in the right way. You know? Right. And you, you have the choice. Are you going to be in there, there in the right way? Are you going to be there and like be enjoying it? Or are you going to be obsessing over some detail? Are you good at enjoying success, do you think? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you appreciate it when it's happening? Or do you appreciate Because I feel like there's a way to appreciate stuff in a moment. And then other times you don't really appreciate You appreciate things retrospectively where you go, oh, yeah, that was a really good thing that happened. But in the moment, you're just, you're just super focused on what you're, like, what's going on, like what you have to do and putting out fires and everything. I don't know. We, this band existed for a long time when it was very unsuccessful. And so when we started getting even the most small steps of success, um, and they, they, and they did come slowly and gradually. And, and I kind of felt like every step of the way we were appreciating that, like, okay, hey, we're not losing money on the, when we go out and do a, show, a tour. Or, you know, we've sold, um, whatever, 1,200 copies of our record this week. That was a, at some point, that was a huge deal like that, that really made us happy, you know. So every step of the way, it, was, it got a little better, and I think we do appreciate it. 
Yeah, I think that doing having those those rough years, um, some good came out of it. I think a lot of good comes out of that stuff because you don't. I mean, if it, I mean, if you, you know, if you just if you release one record and it's like you sold a million copies, I don't know. How do you know? Yeah, where how do you do, go from that? How, where do you go from there? And how do you appreciate that? And how do you, you know, like I feel like all of the and they're they're not. It's it's not they're not they're not like failure years. It's just like building years. And right. if you don't if you don't have that, you don't really have a foundation, you right. know. And then how great if after a few records like something blows up and then people all of a sudden have this catalog of stuff to rediscover. Mm-hmm. They didn't have they didn't have that before. Right. I don't know if it's the same. I mean, it's not really the same with. I just compare everything to stand up because that's all. I don't know music. I just know stand up. And and I, and I always I I think there's a lot of fun parallels between what what we do. Like even. Just tonally in the way we approach audiences, just like your tools are a little bit different than mine, but ultimately it's the same. Like you're just trying to form a relationship in an hour right. with an audience and communicate as quickly as possible. I always, I've never like, uh, I don't. I think that it must be hard as a as a comedian though that you you got your material and you know it's it's only really good for a year or two or or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know people that come see us they want to hear those songs that they know right? exactly it's it seems like that would be hmm, keeps you on a your lot toes. of work it, it keeps you on your toes yeah and and you know when you write your first like hour of material you're like aha this is the culmination of my life's work and then right. after that you're like i gotta do this again yeah, yeah. and then i gotta do it again and I'm so immediately after yeah and you know in any in any there's really only a couple of comedians that went beyond like three albums and continued to do well but if you're a band it's sort of like you really could your 14th album could all of a sudden like you know like and that's that's not as that's not as common in the comedy uh, in the comedy community we're having to go and write a new album's worth of material but but the cool thing is that we can go do a show and have these public performances where you can draw on you know, a whole, whatever, in our case, 20 years of, yeah. of work, you know, and I don't see comedians having that. Same. No, we don't get that. We don't get that same. We don't get that same luxury, but it's, it's nice. I mean, it, it must be nice to know that if, if, it, if there were a weird situation where someone's like, get on stage and play right now, you guys could get up and be like, all right, let's just, you know, we could, we could bang out through something without having to rehearse yeah, anything. Exactly. That, that's kind of a nice comforting feeling. Are you, uh, um, are you guys married? You're not, well, you're, you're young. You're, yeah. you're still I'm like not allowed to date yet. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not married. Neither one of us is married. No. There's a couple married guys in the band, Jim and Rob. For a brief second, I thought you meant they together were married. I thought so too. No, <laughs> so you guys are just dating, and we're not. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, bad comic reflex. Um, do you? Uh, is it hard? It, it, I would imagine it must be really hard to maintain a relationship on the road. If you're gone for you know almost a year at a time, yeah, it can be. Yeah. Um. And what percent you must, you must have yeah. uh, experienced that yourself? Well, I'm never on the road. I'm, I don't go on the road for like a long chunk oh, yeah. of time. I'm I'm always back and forth. Right. So I'm I'm here during the week, and then I go on the weekend, and then you know, a lot of times I could you know take that person with me, which is which is kind of nice. But you guys are on tour buses, I would imagine. Yeah. And you're you're just you're essentially living a mobile life yeah and some yeah if you're dating a doctor or something then that's not something you you can't bring them out on the tour bus with you no because where else are you going to get the meds man right (laughs) that's the perfect person to bring out on the road no i don't yeah yeah it ain't easy 
It isn't, and I and I, w- I wonder if the. I feel like the type of person that actually could be a significant other in a relationship with a touring performer is a very specific type of person. I would imagine a very patient person. Yeah. <laughs> is it, well, and, and a person that desires a certain type of relationship and maybe a certain amount of time alone. Yeah. Yeah. I've had certain girlfriends that hated coming out and being on, on tour because, um, I don't know, there's just something about the chemistry. Some people, some women love it and then some of them they just like it makes them feel like okay what am I doing here you know? right. right some of them are more up for that than others yeah I guess that's true well it's just they're not they aren't really like comedy groupies <laughs> but if you're if you're single and you're a comedian there's not I mean there are I guess there are comedy groupies but uh, but it feels a little more common in your field than it would be in, in mine I don't know maybe no comedy <laughs> Let me put it this way. I've never hooked up with a group either. <laughs> really? Never. All those years? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a, I've been in relationships forever. Oh, that's true. I just jump from relationship to relationship. Oh, my mind. Chris Harvey and Stacey Jacks. And now I'm single, Same and guy. I don't know what the fuck to do. Like, I don't know how, how to... long you've been single. <sighs> I guess, what is it now? Maybe five weeks, six weeks? Oh, this is fresh. It's still, yeah. I keep thinking like it happened a long time ago, but when I say it out loud, I'm like, oh, yeah, then, no, that just happened. That's, yeah. still a new, that's still a new thing. What about you? I'm not in one now. You're not in one now? Yeah, yeah. And how long has it been? Um, about nine months. So you're kind of used, used to it now. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. I think the breakups get harder the older you get. Because you, you kind of get more. Because when you're you young, you're like, oh, these are just, you know. Yeah. I think uh, there's, well, stronger attachments and bonds form the older you get. Right. You know, I feel like it's time to write a, a, a breakup song. We are that pacing tiger cage <laughs> at the zoo with all eyes are just upon us. I'm listening. And we're just paranoid. We're sort of you're like, people are watching me, but I'm alone. Oh, man, this guy's going to strike. I got. <laughs> I had a tiger girlfriend back on a savanna somewhere, but we had to split up because long distance relationships don't work in the wild. <laughs> he travels from zoo to zoo. Zoo to zoo. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. This might be one of those on the nose. <laughs> Love Tiger! You can use that if you want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have relatives that say that to you? You can use that if you want. Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, you must. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah I, I, did. Oh, yeah. I do have relatives like that. They'll say something. This would be great for your act. Yeah, I right. love it. Love it every time. <laughs> no, I just saw that on a but my dad, My dad, for the longest time, was convinced that the phrase, I would call him and I'd go, what do you, how's it going? And he goes, same shit, different day. You could put that on a bumper sticker if you want. And I go, well, first of all, thanks. <laughs> Second of all, no. He thought he made that up? I, guess, I don't know if he... Well, I don't, I don't know if it's that he thought that he made it up, but I guess he just... I guess he just sort of thought that he stumbled on the bumper stickering of it. Mm. That he thought like that was his. Yeah. It was like no one had put... <laughs> but I guarantee you if, you, if you went to like a truck stop off the I-40 somewhere between, you know... Tulsa Anywhere. And, yeah that, that you that if you went into a truck stop there would there would be a it says same shit different day and then a bunch of truckers with like 64 ounce coffees like hmm, that's the truth <laughs> <laughs> don't i know it <laughs> well i'm gonna get back on the road and uh stick my dick in this hot donut so i feel like i have some human contact left in the world <laughs> how did we get here I don't know. I don't know. I think it's the. Co- I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's a combination of actually talking about like things that really matter 
and then kind of feeling like, I'm not comfortable with that. And then I'm going to make a joke about a trucker fucking a donut. Right, right. That's what it is. It's just sort of constantly, <laughs> I feel like the older you get, the, the, I don't know if you get better at staying a, a step ahead of your brain or if you get worse at staying a step ahead of your brain. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I think I get better. You get better at yeah, it? Yeah. You're not going to catch me, brain. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. <laughs> I imagine that's the last thing you say before you go to bed. <laughs> I know. Right as a single tear just dribbles down the... You're not going to get me tonight, brain. <laughs> it's the, you know, the hardest thing about, the hardest thing about a, a breakup or a loss or whatever is that you can have a fine day and then your dreams just fucking attack you. Ooh. And you're like, why? I felt fine. Mm. Or that you wake up in the morning before everything that's going on hits you again, before you remember everything. <laughs> well, that's the, yeah, that's the, yes, which I always liken to, um, it's basically like someone is dumping like hot liquid reality onto your brain Ooh. before you wake up and you're like, oh, it's sunny outside and then gloop and then it's just <laughs> like you just feel it like, oh, oh, and it just sinks into all the levels of your brain. Or if you have a, there's this idea of like there's this thing you can play called morning anger rodeo and if you are with a significant other and you fight the night before it's how long can you for lack of a better term spoon that person in the morning before they remember like oh yeah we're not talking right now I call it hate snuggling (laughs) (laughs) but you're not allowed you don't get to stay in the you're just staring at the back of the person's head yeah "Mm -hmm." (laughs) we're gonna snuggle (laughs) did it get too real (laughs) <laughs> Let's get realer. Yeah. All right. Well, fine. What do you get real? What do you you got to talk about. Come on, it. No, no. I, I can't get realer. I, I can't go there. I can't. I know. Me too. It's a defense mechanism. But I don't. But I have the comedy defense mechanism. What's your defense mechanism? I just get up there and play a song. You know. Then I don't have to say anything new. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you feel like that's sort of a, a general musician credo? Is like I'm, my songs speak for me. Well. It is easy to just go up there and you, it's pretty, it's scripted, right? Yeah. Um, the parts that are um, uh, spontaneous are, are not with the words, right? You know? <laughs> right. I guess Bradford Cox is good at that, though. Coming up with shit on the spot. But, um, yeah, I think that having, having a script makes it a lot easier. Because you can disappear into that if you need to. Yeah, you just you're not expected to come up with new content, and at least lyrically, right? Yeah. The the spoon all star improv jam. We're like, I need a location, and then an occupation, and then you just start playing a song. Do you right. think you guys can improvise a song? Could we improvise yeah. a song musically? Yeah, but the, but lyrically is a little harder for me. I know people that can do that, but Alex, can you do that? No. Yeah. You know Reggie Watts? You no, but yes. In action, like yeah. Something he could pull off. Yeah, he uh, just did at he, midnight. Oh, did he? Yeah, we, was he on like, Yeah, just two hours ago. Watching just because like I played music for a long time before I did comedy and was the worst at just like oh, I'll just mumble some things incoherently because I like this riff and don't feel like writing lyrics. Right. <laughs> and then like watching Reggie, who actually like can take shit that you had a conversation about a minute ago and then work it into lyrics, is head exploding. One of the yeah. most frustrating things about Reggie is I, I was in a musical comedy duo and we toured with Reggie in two thousand four all off the West Coast to 17 people max uh, in each venue. And Reggie would break out these really brilliant-sounding things, but he didn't like to repeat stuff. So he would hit... It was sort of like the... It was the music trap of... 
you'd hear something one night and be like, fuck, I can't wait to hear that again. And he just wouldn't do it because mm. he just didn't want to or he forgot the fact it. that bootleggers don't follow him around more. They like should. Like the kind of people who go to like jam band shows mm. and somebody doesn't just track him with those. That's not, there's not reggiewattsbootlegs.com. Yeah. Because, yeah, so many good things that you're just never going to hear again. Are you even thinking about after this, like, what's number nine going to be? Or are you just focused on record number eight? Yeah, I'm just focused on eight for now. Does it eat away with you when people are just like, so when's the next one? Right after you're done with one? You just did that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to, I like to, to do both. I don't get asked that, that often. It's a two-hander. It's all right. I can deal with it. They already said they have like 50 songs that are in various stages of development. I'm trying to get us a scoop, boss. Uh, <laughs> thanks. I like it when you call me boss. That's right. <laughs> um, did you say there were just two songs? Yeah, yeah, we're we're prepped for two. Today. You're prepped for two. Okay, yeah. nope. That two. I'm I am thankful that you even did two songs here. That we Thanks were able to trick us. you into give us this this in, in swing house. This is where we did the Ben Folds one. Yeah, and the uh, Brendan Small too. And the Brendan Small. Oh, too. you don't do it here every week. No, no, no. It's only it's only when we can convince someone to give us a private concert oh, okay. that we come to Swing House. Usually, we record at the the TV studio where I do the TV show. So, but it's a, this is a nice treat for us because. Yeah. I don't know. Although, I do think a drum kit would sound amazing in the room we recorded because it's just this brick room that's just echoey as fuck. And every time I'm in there, I'm just like, God, a drum set would kill in here. At, 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 this, TV yeah, at the TV studio? Yeah, it's yeah. this tiny office room. But like, it's the worst room for audio. Just terrible. Except, on the entire property. For giant John Bonham drums would sound huge in there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to see you again. Yeah, and great I, to and, see I, you and too. I hope you had a nice time. And, you know, and, and thanks for getting a little real on the show. You know, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, man, it's, it's my pleasure. Just, it's, it's good too. Yeah, every once in a while. Thanks right? for having us on. No, good to see you. I really so, enjoyed. We we yeah. hadn't really figured out how we were going to play like uh, uh, a solo acoustic songs yet, so we this was a good exercise. Yes. Yeah. And do you feel like uh, do you feel like aha, we got it? Yeah, we kind of got we it. Job, we're going to go do one in Seattle this next week, so we're good to we're go. Good to go. Yeah. So um, they want my soul is the album. It's August fifth. Available where music is sold digitally. Are there still record stores, Kyle? There, yeah. I know there's Amoeba. I'm going to go get them vinyl copies of things. But I don't, Did you guys put out a vinyl edition? Yeah. Oh, nice. Spoon, man. You're going to go get a Spoon record on vinyl. Can you explain to me why um, record players are like hundreds of dollars? Because you want really good audio quality in it, so you got to get high-quality parts. Or is it they know because hipsters will pay hundreds of dollars I mean, for both. a record player? It's both. You know what? I would just be happy with that old, like... I got, like, a... Mine's only, like, a hundred bucks. Do you remember when we... Well, not when you were young, but when I was young, you, you, could, you could buy something that looked like a truck, and it had a needle in it, and you'd set it on the record, and it would drive around in circles, and it had a little speaker on top of it? I forgot. I, no, I missed that. You never saw that? that the, sa- the sound quality was terrible. And I think you also risked... Oh, so the record wasn't moving. It would just draw. The, yeah, yeah. You, oh. you, the record was, would stay still, and then this little truck had a needle on it and a speaker, and it would drive around in circles toward the center. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like a lot of times completely demolish the record oh, in the absolutely. process. But, uh, but I would pay hundreds of dollars for that. You didn't have one. No. Uh, I feel like that's what... That's, Do you have one of those plastic carry case ones? No. Those are my favorite. Uh, Jack White has one of those now that's yellow plastic, and you just put it in, and it like hangs out the side. Oh man! Hmm. All right, I think I think I know that there is a hole. The hole in my soul is shaped like a truck with a record needle on it. Okay. Would be great if that. that's what gets you back into vinyl hardcore. Like you're just buying records to put your truck on, dude. I, I'm actually surprised that there's not like some weird hipster movement already of just that, and then just deciding like, oh look, it's the General Lee, and like everyone fucking puts like whatever sort of weird ironic childhood memory they have, some pop culture reference. Are you listening, Portland? 
I would buy one if it were in the shape of a DeLorean or the Ghostbusters vehicle. <laughs> that sounds like a product to sell. To Comic Con. I've become my dad. <laughs> you should make that. Get out of my head, Dad. Enjoy a brood, everyone else. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. It's winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win $200 million. Thousands, not millions. $200,000. Because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The Goat, premiering on Freebie and Prime Video on May 9th.